on this episode of Big Drive Energy, we're going to discuss the 2022 Rookie of the Year, Cam Young, guy we talked about a lot. Still hasn't won on tour, but good enough to win Rookie of the Year and be in some good company. We're going to talk about Fred Couples and some great feats in golf and what he accomplished this past weekend. And we're going to talk about Live Majors. Is it a thing? Is it coming? What does that look like moving forward? And this is all brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Pins and Aces. I've got a Pins and Aces hat on right now. We were rocking the shirts. We did get to do an awesome fall photo shoot with them last Friday. So you guys are going to be seeing the Big Drive Energy Boys on some Pins and Aces uh, videos. It's going to be awesome. It was great to film it and, and see all the production that goes into it. I hit some awful shots on purpose, for the record. I hit some awful shots not on purpose. Um, beautiful golf course over there, Rolling Hills. But no, Pins and Aces has the best apparel uh, we saw the whole fall line that you have not seen yet, and it's incredible. They just keep coming with the heat. They also have a innovative product called the Beer Sleeve, where you can store seven beers into one into your golf bag. New product coming out. I don't know if we're allowed to talk about it. Similar to the Beer Sleeve, if we're not allowed to talk about it, I'll keep this pretty discreet. But think of the Beer Sleeve, but better. And it's that's what change they're the game. It's a full game changer. So make sure you head on over to pinsandaces.com. Use our promo code BDE when you're buying stuff. It's going to save you 15% off and it's going to help us out. Show Pins and Aces that uh, the BDE crew really spends the money, especially with Christmas coming up. This new fall collection, make sure you're using that code BDE on all those purchases and get yourself into the best golf apparel brand there is pinsandaces.com bd facts Facts. let's tee it up hello friends welcome to this tradition unlike any Did somebody scream mashed potatoes? That was mashed. I'm about to bust. <laughs> bust you, Pally. Thanks, Pally. It's a beautiful day here in the Mile High City. Sun is shining. Fall golf is upon us. It's we're fully into it. We're almost out of it, actually. See the trees are changing. And we are here with you. Thanks for tuning in to Big Drive Energy. What a week. Uh, we got some some stuff to discuss on the PGA tour. We got some stuff to discuss personally. Uh, what we did in the past week. I know everybody's riveted and excited to hear about all that stuff, but First of all, I am your host at Big Drive Spence and with my brother, golfing partner, friend, many other things, Big Drive Mitch. What's up, man? How's it going? Uh, how was your week? Everything that you did without me? Because I know all the other stuff. <laughs> uh, what's up, dude? Um, my, I had a pretty good week. Uh, we went to the Avs season opener last Wednesday, a week ago today, watched the uh banner drop right in front of us which we're all i guess they hoisted it and then they dropped it um so it went up and then it went down but it it was so badass the atmosphere was unbelievable um it took fucking forever like it felt like two events in one where all the dudes and i was even talking to a guy that came in and golf today because i think he was there too i was like all the guys came out warmed up then they went back inside and they literally posted on the Jumbotron that it was 20 minutes till the ceremony. And then the ceremony was a half hour. Then the guys had to come out and rewarm up. So it almost, I think puck dropped like eight 15 and wasn't game time supposed to be seven 15, It was supposed to be seven 30 and the NHL did a giant boo-boo. They had a giant boo-boo happen where they 
decided to go back-to-back games on TNT, which the second game always starts late. But then they decided to also have the banner ceremony, most of it at least from what I could tell. We, we were both there, so we didn't see it on TV, but uh, slight flex. But the, Not banner a big cer- deal. the banner ceremony on the on TNT like broadcasted as well. So they had to push the game back. And I think there was some sort of an update or something that we got that day that was telling us that basically the game's like going to start at 8.15, which... It was supposed to be 7.30 start. It ended up starting at like 8.20, uh, worth the wait. But it was wild because Mitch and I are sitting there in Mitch's new seats, which shout out to him. We're going to be going to some Mavs games this year. Great seats, great view of the ice. We got the whole ice, uh, our old seats, you know, down even lower, right by the corner of the glass, you know, just poor, poor man seats with the non, non-viewable right corner where they- Yeah, ironically ones, but- enough, the higher up you sit a lot of times in hockey, it's a better view. But not too high. Like we, we're still in the lower bowl, just row 17 now instead of row 13, I want to say. So, yeah, definitely a better view on the attack twice side. So, just watching the abs absolutely fill it up all season is going to be a treat. Yeah, that we're going to get a sunburn on our face from the goal light going off right in front of us. But no, we looked at each next. We looked at each other and we're like, God, I can't believe like we still have to. It felt like they could have done the whole production of the cup ceremony landy skating around with it and raising the banner as like its own event and then we realized like we were just sitting there i was just hammering beers um (laughs) but i can only imagine what the players felt like having to go through all that and then try to actually play a game we were exhausted just trying to watch the game yeah luckily they played an ahl team that night so it wasn't much of a uh contest they still i mean blackhawks made it somewhat of a game but I think if we would have played a better team, we probably would have gotten dusted that night just because all the emotions came back up. Uh, Jack Johnson coming out on the ice as a now Blackhawk coming to celebrate his his Stanley Cup victory from last year with the squad. So it was just a really fun night. Um, but I didn't get home to like midnight, which was ass. I'm an old man. I Staying out until midnight is just not for me, um, especially if I'm not hammering – just absolutely deleting vodka or beers. Um, a sober late night is a tough one. I start, I start getting the late night yawnies at nine, nine o'clock, nine thirty, and I'm fucking ready to, ready to pack it up. And it was halfway through the first period at that point. So yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, tell, uh, let's discuss your interaction with the dude sitting next to you because that was pretty fucking hilarious. Oh, he was shit faced, and he's like a, a season ticket holder and. Of course, he wanted to let everybody know that that he had season tickets, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, are you season ticket holder? I was like, well, yeah. Like, So I bought half a season. So technically, I'm, I don't know if you'd call that a season ticket holder, half a season ticket holder, whatever. But I got 20 games or 21. Um, so I was like, yeah, these are my seats for 20 games. And then he like wants to start exchanging numbers so we can exchange tickets. And because there's going to be games he can't make it to. Then he proceeds to tell me like he's in property management, sells really high end, high class shit. And I'm like, cool, dude, I'm here for the hockey, but um, thanks for the info. And so then he gives me his phone number and tells me to text him. So I literally text him right there and he looks at his phone a minute later and I get a text back from his number that says, who is Mitchell Smith? And then he looks at me and he goes, oh, you're Mitchell. Like he that's how drunk he was. He completely forgot the entire conversation we had, what we had just talked about, not five minutes before. And he was definitely lit. And then I think around the second period, he kind of hit a low point. Cause he was just like sitting down, like absolutely getting down on like a hot dog or something. He definitely needed to eat. He, I think he, he said he got a little too drunk before the game. So I guess I got to give him, um, you know, give him a little, what do you call it, leeway, because um, he, he was fucked up. So it was pretty funny. But overall, a really fun night. Uh, love that the Avs are back. Love that the Nuggets are back tonight. If we're, if we're going to post this tomorrow. So give me a quick game prediction tonight, Spudsy. All right. Nuggets win 109 to 103. Okay. And they... So they don't cover the seven point spread. It's seven and a half, I think. 
leading scorer for the Denver Nuggets is going to be Michael Porter Jr., Money Printer Jr., at <laughs> 21 points. That's pretty low. Well, yeah, um, I think it's but, just like a, a game we'll, where they're we'll get into that each later, other right? out and um, I think our fairway or four is just going to be one question because we did uh, put a fairly decent sized bet in together uh, just yesterday. So I think our fairway or four should just be uh, discussing that and seeing what the people think, because I think it's going to be pretty narrow. But other than that, um, I've just been working, you know, living the American dream, hating every minute of it. <laughs> no, I'd, I've been been able to play a little bit more golf so that's been nice i played uh riverdale dunes yesterday and i think a lot of people that follow us and listen to this have played riverdale which is cool and it is just an unbelievable track we got there i I heard from the parking lot we got called on deck and it was like a day off like there's really no reason for me to show up that late other than i'm just an idiot um so i went and picked logan and Ryder, our boys up uh at their respective houses so they could indulge in whatever um they see fit riders more of a a a green kind of guy and logan's more of a liquid kind of guy so i was like you know what i'll let these boys get after it i'll drive us up there so we're, we're closing the trunk and i hear smith threesome on deck and i was like oh great and then by the time we get to the clubhouse and check in we're on the tee like we literally grab the carts throw our stuff on and head right to the tee um but I proceeded to shoot even par. I shot 70. I think it's par 72, but it was probably the wildest even par round I've ever played. So I slam dunked uh, a little wedge shot from 55 yards right in the right in the jar on number three. Um, and I don't want to go shot by shot. I'm not one of those guys, but I had never like slam dunked one in, right like fucking Kobe right in the hole rest in peace, Kobe. Uh, I had just jammed it right in there, which was dope. It rattled the flag around. Um, we posted on our Twitter. If you follow us on Twitter, so move quickly if you don't, to two- at big drive energy. Yeah, there you go. Uh, I quickly moved to two under through three. I proceeded to three putt the next hole for bogey. Um, and then I birdied, I almost ace number eight. I hit it to like a foot at birdied eight birdie nine went out and three under, um, had a decent look on 10 for birdie, probably 12, 14 feet, missed it. And then the 11th hole, Spencer, do you remember that par five? Is straight that the one uphill. where it has, oh, straight uphill. Not straight uphill. The, the approach shots relatively uphill. There's water on the right, a lot of hills on the left. It's a very hilly hole. It's honestly, and I can say this, I, cause I thought this before I even got there. It's my least favorite hole out there. It's not there's really not a, an even lie that you can get anywhere from 200 yards and in it's all either on a side hill or a downhill or an uphill. Like it's just a shitload of slope. You, you don't remember that hole. I can't say that I do. I'm trying to recall some of the holes there. It tends I know... that par four going out away back away from the clubhouse. And then 11 kind of turns back a little bit. What's um, the, what's the short hole where you can kind of drive it? Like it's the, it's a short dog leg left and you can hit like driver. Over. Okay. So I need to backtrack a few, dude. I'm, I don't remember. Okay. As well if you don't remember, should. it's fine. But basically I shit pump driver right into the water. Um, which I hadn't made a bad swing yet all day. I was hitting it pretty well. Uh, didn't really make any putts to speak of. I made probably a seven footer on nine for birdie. Um, on eight, like I said, it was basically a gimme. I knocked it in and then I three, I I putted probably worse than I did everything else for sure, which I guess isn't that far away from standard because putting is just that fucking hard, but I proceed to make double there, um, which really hurt. Like that pissed me off, go from three under to one under in one hole. Uh, so I got a little bit annoyed. Then I three putt the next hole of par three for bogey. So then I'm even. And then the next hole is a par four. I pump driver. I think it was, I think from the back tee and we didn't play, I didn't play it back back, but I probably played it from 460, 470. And I had one, 135 in. Um, so I hit a really good drive right in the middle of the fairway. P 
puke on a wedge, leave it short left. Don't get it up and down. I miss like a five footer um, for par. So then I'm one over. And then we go to the drivable par four. I almost hold out for Eagle again. I have literally an inch for birdie. I tap it in. I, dr- I drove it right in front of the green, like probably 10, 15 yards short, hit a fucking phenomenal pitch shot. It was like hanging on the left lip of the hole. So uh, birdie there, moving back to even. Part of the hole around the water, part of the part five, 16, um, 17, straight into the sun, like the setting sun. Couldn't see Dick. It was into the wind, uh, 195. I hit five iron and it just scooted into the left bunker and that I was fucked. So I ended up making bogey there. And then I hit three wood wedge on 18 and made birdie there. So I ended up shooting even par with four birdies and Eagle four bogeys and a double. So I think that may be the first round ever where I had more. Well, and let me put it this way. Um, for even par or under par, I had more holes where I, I made a non par than I made a par and still shot even. So that was kind of a wild, wild ride. Um, a lot of ups and downs in there hit the ball phenomenally. I would say, um, other than that one fucking tee shot on 12 and then letting it get to me, I three putted twice. So that wasn't a great look either. Um, they're actually still rolling pretty damn fast at Riverdale. So I was impressed. The first three putt I had, I left it. I, I couldn't have been further from the hole on the green. I probably had 50 feet and left like eight feet short, missed that. Um, but overall my putting let me down. Like if I would have putted well, I probably could have shot four or five under but i didn't so there you have it <laughs> yeah well he's like i don't want to go shot for shot and we just spent seven minutes going shot for shot no i i enjoyed it like that was not shot for shot asshole pretty close i wasn't explaining all my pars but th- like i said there's more non-pars than there were pars yeah exactly so you explained 14 of 18 holes but no yeah. dude sounds like it sounds like a good round pally like it just like one of those days where you're just feeling it hitting a few wedges really close one really close yeah. to the flag stick apparently yeah inside the hole the, it was, in I, I really felt like i was gonna shoot five four or five under until i made that double and then i was kind of i i even had a little like self-talk i was like okay it's one hole you're gonna get it back like you're still one under par you know don't beat yourself up over it and then bogey bogey back to one over and then i finally hit a couple of good shots made that back and just sometimes no matter how good you are Sometimes when you make a bogey, it's, it's so much easier to make another one. <laughs> like I hadn't made it. Well, I guess I had made the one bogey. Um, and then I made the, I had only made one bogey up until 11, then made that double. And then it just went kind of down the shitter from there. So. Well, yeah, dude, you're, we're very different golfers in the fact that you're actually good. And I just kind of look like I'm good depending upon what people are watching. Like I hit much more quality visual golf shots than you on a pretty fair occasion but you are just better um like if you're just like watching us hit golf shots and not like following us the entire way you'll be like you oh, look spencer. way better yeah you'll be like spencer's way better and then spencer shoots 82 and mitchell shoots 69 and you're like oh okay well that's clear it, well yeah and it's just i mean i don't know exactly what it is i'm just fairly consistent i just know where my ball's going and for the most part, I can control it. So, and I have been hitting it a little bit longer lately. I've been kind of working on my swing. It's still definitely not where I want it to be, but um, just working on a little move of making a little bit bigger turn going back and really getting my right hip kind of rotated around me and extending that right knee instead of keeping it so flexed, um, kind of straightening my right knee on the way back has really helped um, not only my swing path, but creating a little bit more to- torque. And therefore creating a little bit more speed. So nothing wrong with my ball striking, mostly the, and I guess I haven't played that much golf, even though I've been playing more, I still haven't played that much. So not surprising that my short game is not tip top. Um, But, you know, it's just one of those days where it could have been a lot lower, but it is what it is. And that's just golf. Yeah. And when you're in those modes where you're like about to go low, like you keep it together. I usually am just hanging on for dear life. Like when I know that I'm three or four under parts at a certain point 
then it just becomes a my own. You're on a fucking roller coaster, about. just hanging white knuckling it all the way. Exactly. In. All I'm doing, I'm like shaking over a, a, a putt that doesn't even matter. And that's where you're just like way better than me and way used to being better uh, than I am. So I'll, I'll own that because right when I get under par, dude, it's a full like, oh, if I par this hole, if I birdie this hole and then I just go full, full turbo mode and can't really figure out what I want to do the next four holes where I'm all I'm like I said, all I'm trying to do is hang on, make par, make par, make par, stay under par. And then I end up shooting 75. So, yeah, uh, I got yeah. And when I even got to that point where I started thinking about like, OK, these are birdie holes, like I got a little bit ahead of myself and. It, it really had nothing to do with why I made double. It was just me sucking ass. So um, it really didn't. My thought process didn't really come into and, and maybe it contributed a little bit. But uh, overall, it was just a loose swing. And I, you know, those will happen throughout the round. And that was really the one bad driver I hit all day. Otherwise, it, I think I I hit almost every other fairway. So um it was well, just dude, a I bad I fucking will, time to hit it right. I will say that you you have been hitting the ball a little longer. Like I've like normally when when I hit a drive way off to the left or the right, which is typical, um, I kind of go up and find your ball in the middle of the fairway and then go another 20, 30 yards ish and, and look to the right or left wherever my ball may have ended up. And that's generally a good sense. But dude, you've been hitting it pretty long. But I have noticed, and granted, you weren't always swinging it great. But the last couple of times we've played, like you have hit a few wonky drives, like where they're really wonky. And I have never seen that. But like that just goes to show, like even as great a player as yourself, when you're trying to add speed or do different things or trying to hit it a little longer, how, like, I don't think, uh, I can't remember if it was at Inverness or when we went over and played Valley Country Club. But Inverness you drive, doesn't count because I, fucking what what was hurting oh my neck back. or your neck yeah yeah you had, uh... i was like an 80 year old man that day i couldn't turn my neck like i was i don't i really didn't think i should have played but inverness okay, well, doesn't count we'll take that one out then if inverness doesn't count and we'll go to our round at valley last tuesday and i get i saw you hit a few drives that like started right and faded like you hit some great drives that were just that perfect butter cut but you hit some drives that were like, I've never like your drives. I would say on a par four or five, a good 70 to 80% of them at least land within five yards of the fairway, if not in the fairway. And you had a few that just landed like way off. So like, it's kind of shocking to me when you hit a bad golf shot, you know, I still like, even though we don't play as much as we used to anymore, or like, like practice every day, like when we were in high school and you were playing professionally or we we're going to college and stuff. Uh, but it still shocks me when you hit a drive that's just so wonky. But it it does come with with gaining you know speed and trying to trying to change things. Change is always changing golf, and you tell this to every lesson you give. But changing golf always equates to usually getting worse before you get better. I got a question for you though, because this I guarantee our answers differ here uh, when you're talking about your round at Riverdale. So let's, let's just say every course you played, which is, this is not the case, but every course you played the, the course record 64. I feel like that's a pretty good, unless there's like a lot of pros playing there. Like I feel like a course that no pros have ever played and kept their score, like professional tour players, uh, 64 is a good round number. Let's say eight under, right? So what if it keeping in mind that 64 is the course record, how many holes through and what under par, how far under par do you have to be to start? Does that start creeping into your mind personally? Um, that's a good question. I, I really feel like if I shoot three or four under on the front, I think it's mostly what I do on the front nine. Um, Cause obviously you can make a birdie or two early in the round and then it kind of fizzles or, you know, doesn't really come become anything but i think if i close out the front nine and like four under i feel and i mean you still have to play the back nine well don't get me wrong but i feel probably a little bit better about like maybe shooting a few under on the back nine or you know whatever um but it's yeah that's an interesting i think it just depends on the day you know and who you're with and what you're trying to do because you know i was just trying to be out there fucking around and then i right when i started i was I started thinking about like what I was trying to shoot at that point, And that's kind of when it went downhill. So 
I am not, uh, you know, I, I might be a pretty good or above average golfer, but I'm not immune to getting a little bit ahead of myself and like playing, like thinking four holes ahead before I'm even there, you know? So I, I think long story short, three, four under on the front nine has me thinking like, okay, I might be able to do something here. What, what do you, what about you? Like you birdie one and you're just fucking ready to rock. Exactly what I was about to say. And that's why we are so different. Like if I birdie the first hole or even the second hole, like if I make it just a clean, easy par on the first hole where I maybe had a 10, 10 to 20 footer for birdie and just kind of burn the edge. I'm immediately thinking oh, like today is going to be a good day. Like I've never sniffed shooting a course record. I think my career low is 68. So it's never been really close, but, uh, just the thought of like birdieing the first hole. And that's like one of the worst omens in golf. I think when you get to an amateur or non PGA tour level player, I think birdieing the first hole is probably one of the worst omens. And I know that, but, uh, whenever I birdie one at the Valley, I'm like, Oh, today could be that special day. And then I shoot 72 and it's just not even close, but yeah, that I, I wonder, you know, most players probably players above our level, I uh, don't even think about that kind of stuff. I, I think it'd be kind of cool at some point for me to have just a course record uh, somewhere. Played, only played Spring Valley about 5,000 times probably and still haven't even sniffed it. But uh, I think it'd just be a kind of a cool feat to have. But it's also one of those things where I personally don't think I could ever just go out to a course I don't play a ton, which is every other course other than the Valley of Fun and, and feel like I could even remotely sniff that unless it's just got like the easiest par fives in the world. Like... City Park, I've played a few times, and not that I could shoot the course record there, but I feel like that would be a course where I probably could if I was hitting driver well, because it's got pretty drivable par fours, a lot of holes to make birdie on, tough par threes, but then the par fives are also pretty pretty gettable in two. So it, it shapes up as a course I could possibly do that on. But yeah, if I birdie the first hole, my mindset goes straight there, and then it usually turns into uh, a double on the second hole, and it kind of resets me. Right. Um... Yeah, I, I definitely, there's, there's certain days where if you're thinking too much about that birdie on the first hole, then it's not going to end up being anything, but you know, I, I probably had 10 feet for birdie on the first hole yesterday, missed it. Um, two part of the second, then, you know, jumping, making an Eagle quickly changes your mindset a little bit. I was like, Oh, two under through three. Okay. Um, and then that bogey right after just brought me right back down and uh yeah that's that was kind of the round but just a fucking wild even par round for me so um just a uh, roller coaster like yeah it was a huge roller coaster like a lot of really good shots and a few pretty bad ones and that's just golf like you know when you say i hit like two bad shots and probably like eight really good ones um you'd think that i would have shot four or five unders so but that's golf, you know, you make a few bad swings here and there and it really can penalize you. So it's all about keeping it tight. Keep it tight, baby. Uh, I did get to play a little golf yesterday as well. So like we said, we played golf on, on Friday, uh, with the pins and aces guys, super fun. I always love playing in five. Some just feels like I'm breaking the rules. (laughs) Just know, you just know you're somewhere where it's just upper level. Um, got to play out at rolling Hills and uh, super great golf course, great facility. Um, felt really cool walking in there. Just like, you know, us growing up, you know, we did the TikTok. If you don't follow us on TikTok, I don't know what you're doing still at big drive energy, but, uh, we did a little TikTok of bringing the public course kids to a private course. And we, uh, felt that way. I felt that way a little bit at rolling Hills too. Just stuff is so pristine and nice compared to what you're used to when you just grow up playing at munis and public courses, but, uh, they had a member named Christ. So that must've been the founding member. So that picture are going to put that on IG at some point, just got to think of a clever description, but the, uh, the golf course was great. Uh, once again, kind of the same scenario. Granted, we only ended up playing a little more than nine holes because we were doing the photo shoot most of the time, running out of running out of sun uh, with the pins and aces guys. But fall line looks sick, uh, and I almost birdied the first hole, which is a par five. I had like a three footer that I just completely puked on. Missed those and- greens are insane out there, though. They're fast as I'm fast as fuck, boy. 
yeah, they were quick. And so that, that set me back a little bit. I, I could have won the first hole. We were playing pig and wolf and, uh, won the first hole and made a good amount of coin on that one. And I just completely puked all over myself on that, but, uh, great golf course and awesome to awesome to see the just new golf courses are always my thing. And I also got to see a new golf course for myself on Tuesday morning over at Homestead. Did not expect it to be as good as it was, dude. It's for, a fun old track for sure. And like, it's, I don't know if it is an executive. We just played a little, little do sweeping back nine. Yeah. It's um, an executive. So what is that? This is bad that I'm asking. What is the terms of that? Because I, when I played the back nine, there was a par five and there was three threes, I think. So it was only oh. par 34. Yeah. So, I mean, I think an executive means it's not a regulation like par like 70 par 72 or above. I think I don't really don't know exactly what defines an executive course, but I always think of an executive course as a shorter course that has less um, or more more threes than fives. uh, If that makes sense, and mostly fours like they maybe I know an executive I think executive courses can still have like like family sports, for instance, um, is executive and it has a par five out there, but other than that, it's fours and threes. So I really don't think that, I don't know if there's an exact definition. Um, well, is that, are yeah, you looking look, that up? Looking that up right now. So it says, uh, designed for quick play, an executive course focuses on holes that can be made within a reasonably short time frame. It is ideal for executives who need to get back to the office or on their way home after a long day of work. Low par holes speed up the time that it takes to play an executive course. So there's maybe no real definite because there's definitely championship courses that are par 70, you know, so you have one five on each side and that turns into a par 70 and that's not an executive course. So I don't think there's uh, a definite, like a specific golf definition for this. Um, but it just says it's a little shorter, you know, and it, averaging about 5,500 yards. This course was definitely more than 5,500 yards, I would imagine, but we also didn't have a scorecard. Um, but no, Gr- Homestead was way more than I expected. I tweeted this or I put it on Instagram, probably the best view of Denver of any course I've ever seen. Like it was just the view on the third tee box or the second tee box, excuse me, the par five second tee box was just incredible. Uh, and you know, of course you got to take a picture with your phone and it just looks like complete dog shit, uh, compared to what it looks like in your own eyes. But I was really impressed with the, the, first of all, the, the views of the course, you know, one of the things that we do in our course ratings and, uh, I was really impressed with the quality of the golf course too. Like just the manicure, like it was Riverdale level. And you don't think of that necessarily for a par three or an executive course, or even most like public, uh, it's part of Fox hollow, but it's public course and, and not owned by a giant, you know, rich, a bunch of rich people basically that decide to be members there. And then, you know, private course essentially, but I was really impressed with the condition of the course. I was impressed with the views and just the, even the elevation changes. There was a couple of par threes that were super felt a little red hockey or Pradera E, if you will, where like each tee box is like it's in its own little area, you know, from the men's tees way up top. And then you go down to the senior tees or the ladies tees or whatever, all at the bottom. Um, but not on the same, you know, they each had their own individual tee boxes and were pretty spaced apart and all had different elevation changes compared to the green. So that part was pretty cool, but yeah, all in all impressed. I would definitely go back there and play again just because I do like, I don't necessarily love a course that's in the city, which is not always the case. City park is one of my favorites. Um, but as far as just being able to see the city and look out, especially this time of year, where when you look out over the over the uh, foothills and and the other spots around Denver, you see so many different colors of trees and it just, it just put me in a good mood, you know, like a morning round of golf, just putting yourself in a good mood by looking out and, and seeing different colors and the city and all that stuff. You know, I'm big, big Denver Homer, as you know, if you haven't listened to this podcast before, welcome. We love everything Denver times 10. Um, but seeing Denver, just like the view, I, I like, I would take a picture of a city view of Denver over a mountain picture, a view of the mountains. Like, that's just me. 
Yeah, Denver, it's it's a very cool city. And yeah, I saw Kylie's picture that she took of you um, in that half-ass follow-through you got going, looking like you hurt your back there, like you wrenched something. Um, but the city looked a lot better than that follow-through. So, yeah, very cool picture. And just right now, um, the the trees are unbelievable. Like when you drive on 470, I don't know if you've taken 470, but if you look over towards Parker, like all the yellow and red and shit, like I've almost gotten in multiple car accidents on 470, just looking over at the fall foliage, just trying to soak it all in, um, probably to my detriment. So it's just yeah, a gorgeous it, time of year right now. You know, like they talk about like what science can do for us and the real science would be to somehow bottle up the conditions of Colorado right now, just the, the views, the trees, the weather, the temperature, make it year round, have this all around all year round. Yeah. That would be, that's utopia for me. For sure. I would move somewhere, uh, where the weather was like this because that, that is my ideal, um, scenario. So this, yeah, this is the best time of year without a doubt. It's the best time of year also because football season, basketball season, uh, NBA started baseball. last night. Baseball is in the playoffs. Unfortunately, the Yankees won. Um, but it's hockey. also a great hockey season. It's also a great time to hop in on the DraftKings Sportsbook. DraftKings is the app we use, and we crushed it. I personally crushed it the other day on Greg Dolcich first touchdown. Had a little inkling. He was playing. Um, just exciting to have a new player in the lineup. He'd been on IR Broncos offense was struggling as we know, uh, but took him to take first touchdown at plus 4,000 on Monday night football and took him to for an anytime touchdown at plus 750. So I cashed out a good bit there, uh, but DraftKings is the place to do it. So head over to the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Now use the promo code DNVR. And you can bet $5 this week and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Any $5 NBA money line bet gets you $200 in free bets. So Nuggets against the Jazz, pretty easy. Uh, I'm getting my, hopefully not putting my foot in my mouth there, but Nuggets are clearly a better team than the Jazz. It's kind of sad because it feels like we've lost the, the, the rivalry a bit, you know, now that they're basically the... Cavaliers East, uh, taking everything for Donovan Mitchell, but DraftKings Sportsbook is where I do all my betting on the NBA. I'm definitely putting in a same game parlay for tonight's game. Those are the most fun because you can pick something from each player. You can pick Jokic in points. You can pick Aaron Gordon's rebounds. You can go Bruce Brown steals, maybe a little DeAndre Jordan blocks if they have it. So there's a lot of options that you can pick on the DraftKings Sportsbook in the same game parlays. You can boost your odds. There's also an odds boost on NBA, 50% uh, odds boost, which I went in there and tossed a little money on the Nuggets to be the one seed in the NBA or the Western Conference, excuse me, this season. Got that boosted up a little bit. So I'm looking, I love the long, the season long bets too, because you can bet on a team that you don't really care about. And if you bet they're over or under, you just kind of watch every time to see if they lose or win. And it kind of keeps you engaged all season. So make sure you head over to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use our promo code DNVR and you're getting any $5 bet this week, $200 in free bets if your team wins on the NBA money line. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions do apply. See those show notes for details. Another one of our good friends over at Game Time. We bought our Game Time tickets for Broncos Ravens. Looks like it's not going to be quite the matchup we had hoped, but you never know. Russell Wilson said the season isn't over, and I'm going to ride until the season's not over. But it is nice that we do have Nuggets back, uh, Avalanche back here in Denver. You can head over to the Game Time app right before the game starts. There's super discounted tickets. You can sit in spots that you've never sat in before. So make sure you're checking out the game time app. It is in this podcast description. So if you go in the podcast description, go down to the game time app that will, uh, you click through that, get your, get your account downloaded and start saving a ton on tickets. It's really the best ticketing app that I've ever used. I love that you can click the map 
app a part of it like i you know you can see tickets by price if you just want to get yourself in the door or you can go over to the map part of it and see where you know you want to sit i love it because we did that for the broncos game we don't want to sit on the ravens sideline we want to sit behind the broncos bench so game time is by far the best way to do that it's the hot new ticketing site that makes it even easier than ever to score the best deals on tickets to sports but also concerts and shows there's a lot of different uh, shows going on now here in at Ball Arena and just around Colorado or wherever you may live. And if you're checking game time, you can show up to the event, tailgate it, don't even have tickets yet. And you just go to the game time app and you can hop in and go to any live experience that you want, really. So make sure you're checking out that in the show notes. And if you buy those tickets through the link in the description, you join 15 million people who have downloaded the game time app. And you get to score all the best seats and tickets to your favorite events. All right. Let's talk a little bit about our boy, Cam Young. So uh, he finally wins his first trophy on the PGA Tour, and that's the uh, Arnold Palmer Trophy being Rookie of the Year. Still hasn't got a win, but uh, definitely a rising star on the PGA Tour. And with, you know, live golf and, and guys that are essentially – a lot of the younger guys that may or may not be um, becoming PGA Tour players or not PGA Tour players at that point, if they're headed over to live golf, Cameron Young was super, uh, he stood out. Like this was a pretty, pretty obvious call, kind of like Jokic MVPs the last couple of years. Um, yeah. I mean, for not winning this season. And I guess, I, well, I guess technically Tom Kim has won this well i guess he won once last season but his body of work throughout the year really earned him that position um and he just kind of emerged out of nowhere uh played at wake forest really talented dude from scarborough new york so he's definitely got that uh that northeast to him but uh he's just so consistent i kept betting on him to win and he was doing everything but winning so uh, got a little bit frustrating, but at the same time, it, the the body of work he put together throughout the year definitely warranted him winning um, the Rookie of the Year award. So very cool for him, and I, I definitely think he was on the uh, President's Cup team, and I think he will be definitely looked at for the Ryder Cup team if he doesn't qualify on his own coming next year so he's just a part of that new crop of younger pga tour players that comes out and he's in his early 20s and he's just ready to ready to compete right off the bat and it's just still hard for me to wrap my head around that these dudes are so good when they're that age but he's got the complete game he drives it really well um his ball striking is incredible tita green and i think his putter ended up letting him down a hair but uh I guess we'll find out. He's still got a lot of time in his career to to really iron out his shit. And that's the beauty of PJ Tour careers is if you do it right, it's 20, 25 years, you know. It's it's not a it's not a five years and you're out or even 10 years and you're out. Like you can you can play golf as long as you can compete. So it's it's most of the time it's not physical unless you're Anthony Kim. Um, it's not a physical thing that that stops you from playing golf. So uh, I'm just excited to really see what Cameron Young can do in these upcoming years. Cause he, he seems like he's going to really emerge and who knows, like, I hate to put this out in the universe or the beauty of it is he could be average this next year. You know, there's really no guarantees. There's no, like that is, um, kind of even the crux of what the PGA versus live has gotten into is past performance not having anything to do with future performance you know like that golf you got to bring it every week and uh i think he definitely has a game for it but we'll see you know there's there's been plenty of guys that have had one really good year and then kind of fallen off so uh i i think he's got what it takes but you just no no guarantees in the game of golf yeah and so here's a couple i'm going to shoot some fun facts at you um cam young's early tour career. So he received 90% of the membership vote um, and members PGA tour members who played 15 FedEx cup events during the season were eligible to vote. So received 94% of the vote. And now that I look at some of the other names, like you bring up Tom cam, I think he was maybe too little too late 
uh, of an early riser, wasn't putting it together all year. And another guy that we saw uh, kind of burst onto the scene, we saw him in person at the Waste Management Phoenix Open was Sahith Tagala, another guy that was up for Rookie of the Year. So Cam yeah, he had, he had an awesome season too. And that he he's another guy that just came out of nowhere. He played at Pepperdine, which I don't think is that well known as a, a golf college, but he was on mini tours two years ago. We just talked to we talked to Eric Hallberg about that um, earlier this year. We got to have E Hall back on, but the dude just drives it really well. Hits his butter cut every single time hits it hard and he's got a nasty short game. So that guy definitely gets it around and um, just a, another fun dude to watch. That's fucking 24, 25 years old. Like I'm older than these guys now and it makes me sad. Right. It's like, you're cheering for people. We're finally at the age now where mo- most of the older guys are still older than us, but most of the young guys coming into all professional sports are like, now getting to be significantly younger than us, like five years, like kind of different, complete generation than us, which is super sad. Yeah. It's Um, not like he's a year younger than me. It's like, I'm, he's 22 and I'm 27 and that's sad. That's fucked up. It's, it's not, it's just a point where you're just like, Oh, it's coming. You know, my, my neck hurts every day when I wake up, it's just one of those things that comes with getting older. All right. uh, Two part, (laughs) two part, Jesus. Two-part trivia question for you. All right. Cameron Young went, won the Rookie of the Year in 2022. Okay. The 2021 Rookie of the Year also went to the same college as Cameron Young. Who was that guy and what college did they go to? Will Zalatoris and Wake Forest. I already said he went to Wake. Bang, bang. Bang. Well, I yeah, I mean, that's still, still a good, good that you. No, uh, that was a good trivia question, I feel like. Yeah, you knew your stuff. I was kind of tuning you out, apparently, when you talked about Wake Forest, Demon Deacons, our boy Garbs. Wake Forest, just the golf capital of the world, apparently. Um, but they're the first pair of college team, uh, same college players to win Rookie of the Year honors in back-to-back seasons. And they won two individual – or Arnold Palmer won two individual NCAA championships at Wake Forest. So – and now his the awards called the Arnold Palmer Award. So things are coming full circle uh, well, yeah, for these guys. And, and even coming more full circle, Eric Hallberg's dad, Gary Hallberg, played at Wake Forest and is one of only four ever all four-time All-Americans in men's golf. Yeah. Well, I mean, sounds like if you're a golfer, Wake Forest is the spot. Yeah. Can't go wrong. Where is it? Winston-Salem? I think so. North Carolina. Got him. Carolina. All right. Uh, Another another trivia question for you. This one's going to be a little bit harder. Uh, How? So Cameron Young didn't win. We talked about that, but he had how many runner up finishes and he tied the most runner up finishes in a single season over the last 40 years with this player in 2003. And I wouldn't give you like, this, this player in 03 is like solid. Like he's a very well-known name in golf. And how many runner-up finishes did Cam Young have? I, I think, did he have four runner-ups? He had five. He had Sanderson Farms, the Genesis Invitational, the Wells Fargo Championship, the Open Championship, and the Rocket Mortgage. Damn, five runner-ups. Um, in 03, just a random guess, I'm going to say Phil Mickelson. No, close. Not close, but... Uh, BJ Singh, BJ Singh. Oh, okay. The Fijian, the Fijay. Yeah, and he actually had he had uh, two tied for thirds um, at the RBC Heritage and the PGA Championships, so top three in two different majors, where he was just one stroke out of a playoff on each of those. So basically, he had essentially five, uh, seven runner-up finishes, and that's basically. Uh, he only earned six point five two million this year. Um, which only was the most six mo- million. Yeah, I know. I was uh, like, six, what? Uh, six point five million, which was the most money in a single season by a PGA Tour rookie in history. Um. So who? Okay, another trivia. One more trivia question for you. Get those. Get that thinking cap on. All right. So 
Like I said, Cameron Young earned the most money in a single season by a rookie in PGA Tour history, a record previously held by a seven-time tour winner who, who won $4.3 million in 2016-17. Was it Spieth? It was Xander Shoffley. Xander, wow, okay. I know Spieth, previous, Spieth would have been maybe the year or two before that. How, what, no, it was even earlier than that. Speed, he was, is, I think he was like 11 or 12, dude. Remember, we talked about him playing like 10 years on tour. Holy shit. Okay. I guess that makes sense. But I, I mean, with the money, keep the money just keeps growing. The money gets taller every year. And that just makes it, um, no, I wouldn't say it's easier, but definitely makes it easier to become the highest earning rookie ever, like every single year. Exactly. All right. And, we talked about, you know, players playing on the tour for a long time, and that's going to get us into our next subject, which I feel like we had to touch on this week regarding his amazing performance this past weekend. And that's Freddie couples and Freddie couples won on the champions tour this week. And he has a professional golf win in the last five decades. He's one of the fucking 80s, nuts. The 90s, the 2000s, the 2010s, now the 2020s. He's won 15 times on the PGA Tour. His fourth, uh, 14th PGA Tour Champions title. So now he's about to go for the 30 piece between the two tours. Jeez. And he also, which we talked about a little bit, you know, just me and you personally, but he shot 12 under 60 uh, in the final round, made 12 birdies. No bogeys, six pars. God and damn, that's a round of golf. He's 63 years old. So we, without getting too deep into it, first of all, shout out Freddie Couples. Uh, our aunt, uh, Jan from Hawaii, who kind of got us into golf, and, and our mom definitely got us into golf, but Aunt Jan kind of, she kind of pushed us along a little pushed us along with golf exactly and really got us like obsessed with it and share her favorite players freddie couples one of the nicest dudes we watched him hit a few bombs and make some eagles remember that at the at the senior us open over at colorado golf club when we were back there he made like two eagles on the back nine at CGC yeah i think he eagled the two par fives on the back nine to get into contention back in I want to say that was 08 or 09. I think we were fresh. I was a freshman in high school, which is just obscene to think about. Um, but yeah, that dude can still move it. He's just got some of the best rhythm in the game of golf. Uh, just never gets outside of his his uh, comfort zone. Same follow through, same salt and pepper hair. Pretty. He's like the most man rocket, non man rocket, like just his charisma and everything like I like if I was into dudes, I'd be into Freddie couples and I'm not into dudes. And I don't think he's that like attractive, but he's just got that kind of like he, the way, the way he carries himself, his demeanor. He's just super like chill. Uh, seems like someone you could drink 12 beers with and just a, a dude that's really stood the test of time with his golf game competing yeah, well, in five different decades. That might be the craziest stat I've ever heard winning in five different decades but well yeah that's the uh, nuts there was also a, t- a tweet this past week from pga tour i believe or somebody that did a side by side of his swing from like the early 90s to now same exact golf swing like, yeah literally for 40 years 30 to and, 40 and years. that's the beauty of it too is a lot of people now and i mean they always have been caught up on this cookie cutter you know, aesthetically pleasing swing that has to look really good. And Freddie's swing doesn't really look that good. Like I said, he has great rhythm. He, he never feels like he's rushing anything, but from a aesthetically pleasing standpoint, his swing is not like that good. Um, like looking, you know what I mean? But it hasn't kind of takes it a little past parallel. Yeah. That um, he gets the flying elbow going. Um, he, I, doesn't he have both his feet come off the ground? Or am I wrong? Um, he He's could. one of those guys. Maybe back in the day when he was swinging it harder, but he just has always stuck with his game. And like Arnold Palmer said back in the day, just swing your swing, you know, play your own game. And uh, I think Freddie is really embodied just just not getting outside of your your own game and swing. And he's always been a long hitter. Um, and you know what we don't talk about? We actually had a member 
that was uh, his name is Jim Woolard uh, plays out of Spring Valley quite a bit, or at least he used to. He still plays out there occasionally, but he went to college. He was on the same Houston golf team as Freddie Couples. Um, and Houston used to have a really, really good golf team back in the day. Like, I don't know if we, I, I can't remember. There was another, there's a couple, definitely a couple guys from that university of Houston team that made it out on tour from back in the day. But, uh, Woolard, the guy that is a member out at our track, he, he's like early sixties also, and he still hits the ball just dead fucking straight. Doesn't hit it very far. Probably hits it about. At here at elevation, probably 260, 270, but just on a rope all the time. And I think he's still he's still a plus handicap, or maybe he's up to like a one now, but he he consistently throughout his 50s was a plus handicap. So yeah, and even seeing like when we first kind of met him, I didn't know how good of a player he was. And then you put his like handicap in or looked him up on gin, and I was like, that can't be right. Like that can't be the Jim Woolard. And then I we, he shot some rounds in leagues and club championships. I was like, oh yeah, he's definitely he was a he was like a plus one point three or something like that. Now he's like a three or a four. But yeah, dude, between like Freddie Couples, man, just what a what a career. It's not even over yet. Uh, kind of cool for him to go be a captain and just an assistant captain for this past president's cup and then go win himself. Like usually when you're a captain of something other than like Tiger Woods being injured, yeah, you're like, like past means your time. You're, yeah. It means like you shouldn't really be winning anymore. And then he's just like, winning. I still got it. Yeah. He's like, just to show you guys, I, I still got it. So, all right. You want to jump into live majors before we get out of here? Yeah. So um, basically the, the director of live golf and Saudi golf came out and they had like a whole expose. I think New York time was it New York times or somebody did a big interview with him. I don't have it in front of me, but they talked about uh, majors because the majors really haven't pushed back. They've kind of stayed pretty um, middled on the entire live golf versus PJ tour golf take, you know? Um, but the one thing they have held firm on is having to earn like having world golf ranking points um, in order to qualify for those. So that's how you qualify for those events and get those automatic qualifications is through world ranking points, which obviously the live tour does not have right now. So they've kind of told the live tour they're out without telling the live tour they're out. Um, they've just really held firm on saying, you know, we'll, we'll take the, the ranking points and whoever qualifies will qualify. They're not going to close those guys out if they're still in contention, but given the timeline of when the next major is, I would assume these guys are going to have to, if they do want to compete in any of the majors, you know, play in some PJ tour events, which just doesn't sound doable right now. So uh, basically the, the director came out and said like, I'll create our own majors for the live tour. And the biggest one that pops in your head, I mean, you know, there's, there's plenty of country clubs here in, uh, not in Colorado in the U S that, you know, they throw them $50 million to host the event. They're not turning it down, you know, 50, hundred million. But the biggest one that sticks out is Augusta national because, you know, you'd like to think that the members at Augusta can't be bought, but I think they could like, if they put a hundred million dollars in front of them and said, Hey, we want to host our own masters or the, or, you know, call it something else. Um, but basically, we, we, the Live Golf wants to host their own major here. Uh, I really think that they would change their tune pretty quickly. Like, I don't know. Do you think, Spencer, do you think $100 million's even close? Do you think it's $500 million? Do you think it's a billion dollars? Like, that's fucking insane. And I don't think they have that much money just to offer Augusta. Like, maybe maybe a billion dollars for, like, a five-year contract to host an event there, you know, for five years. But... Uh, what what money do you really and it's also arbitrary because to us, I mean, it's fucking insane. Uh, just the the gap in financials, because there's a lot of people I bet that are members at Augusta and 100 million doesn't really get their, you know, get their blood going at all. So uh, what do you what number do you think is like a, a good solid number to get Augusta national to open their doors to the, to the live golf tour. Well, I think that number is definitely got to start with a B 
um, have Holy a couple shit. extra zeros. I just think there's a point to me where it, as crazy as it sounds, we're actually at this point with live golf and, and maybe certain places like Augusta specifically where there's only so much money you can use. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I don't see a benefit for, for maybe like a, a course that's hosted a major, most of these courses don't need money clearly. Um, but there's some of them that say, oh, we could build this or that, or, you know, like you can't make Augusta much better than it already is unless you just wanted to redo the whole thing, which would kind of defeat the, the purpose anyways. But I, I think there's almost a point where it's like no, no amount of money would matter. So they just won't do it. Now I could be completely wrong, but thinking about it logically, like the members they have, like there's plenty of money there and there's probably more on the live tour, but is there a point where it's worth it to them? to maybe question have everyone questioning their integrity at this point, you know, we've discussed whether or not that's logical, but putting that aside, I don't think there's a number that would change their mind due to the fact that they've already got so much money coming in and they have so much money to spend already. I don't think there's a number where they're like, Oh yeah, this, this could actually like, they all have life-changing money already. Yeah. Like what moves it, the needle for them? Yeah. And I, and I don't it's know gotta be really anything. fucking high. <laughs> yeah, it's got to like be high. Then, high. It, exactly. And I, I, I do think, you know, I will see if, in five years when we're still doing this podcast, if God bless, you know, if we're still here, <laughs> uh, if God you know, willing, if, if in five years we're like, Hey, there's, you know, these majors and these majors are actually mean the same. Uh, I, right now that's so far away, you know, live golf doesn't mean anything anywhere close to what the PGA tour means just because their bigger players are leaving. Um, and ironically, like you said earlier with the majors specifically too, these guys, a lot of these live players, the ones that people care about have already won majors. So they're getting to play them whenever they want, you know, whether you hate Bryce or not, he's won a PGA championship. So he'll get to play in it forever. Or a, a, anyway, you want a U.S. open. U.S. Open, excuse me. I was thinking, and then Brooks Kepka, same way. Dustin Johnson's going to play in the Masters till he's sixty. You know, things like that. Like those guys are already getting to play in these tournaments, so maybe they won't be able to qualify, and you'll have like the mid-level, mid to higher level live players not playing in majors. But for the most part, like guys have won these, so they're going to play in them. Yeah, no, that's a valid point. Um, but I definitely think. And it comes into the question of, I don't want to get too into it, but like if these guys are picking money over, uh, you know, winning and trophies and shit, then th it basically taints the integrity of the game. Like if these guys are strictly out there for the money, the product is not going to be as good. Like if they don't want to go out and, and win a major and make history, then what, what, you know, what are they doing it for? And obviously it's, they are getting compensated for it, but it just brings into the fact that like, can anybody be bought? Like to, does, does the green jacket mean nothing to anyone anymore? You know what I mean? Or the claret jug, does that not mean anything to golfers? So that's, that's another question for a different day, but uh, yeah, it's, it's a very interesting topic to touch on because we, we haven't talked about live golf enough. Yeah, exactly. We stayed away from it for so long. Now we're back into it, but they keep making the news, man. That's what we got. to. Yeah. So real quick, I think we're wrapping this up there, Spencer. Yeah. Um, we can give, uh, let's give the votes. Um, I believe you won, um, from last week's podcast. Once again, shout out to Justin Serbo for joining us, um, on our Instagram here, we've got, um, let me see if I can find this filibustering currently. Do you um, need a hand? No, I just need to. I'm just bad at at remembering things. Technology, man. Yeah. So on our Instagram, I got 36% of the votes. Justin got 12%, and Mitchell got 52%. Damn. Um, on our whiniest people in sports, uh, Instagram is a little bit of our younger crowd, uh, because then when you go to the Twitter and you look at that or just whoever follows us on that, which, you know, I think Twitter's kind of younger too. Um, but Justin had 47%, Mitchell had 26 and I had 27. So I think you took it home by a few percentage points. So shout out to you. Um, but yeah, we're other than that, we're, we're wrapping her up for the week. Well, what my, my one, weekend. 
Yeah, and I well, I think our our one um, fairway or four we should put out is just the Nuggets over under on regular season wins. See where the people yeah. stand. So we are locked in for a, a suitcase worth of money for some people. Um, for depending upon the denomination, uh, we won't unit shame. Uh, we are locked in on a joint bet between four of us for the Nuggets over fifty and a half wins. So do the Nuggets get there? We obviously believe so, or else we wouldn't have placed the bet. Um, but we'll we'll pot, we'll toss that one out there and see what people think. I love it. I think the over, 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 hit the over. Then we'll just go blow that money all in one night at the at the craps table. Exactly. Well, thank you all for joining us again. Uh, enjoy your weekends. We got all the sports are back. I think the next couple of days are the few days of the year. Tomorrow is one of the few days of the year you get all four sports uh, in one single day: NBA, MLB, sports, sports, NHL. sports, more sports. And NFL. Um, so enjoy that. We're at the best time of the year and go out and play golf, uh, whether you're in Colorado and getting to enjoy fall golf or live somewhere nice where you can golf year round. And uh, we'll talk to you guys next week on Big Drive Energy. Peace. Peace.